I'm Tori. I answer, I answer to a lot of names. Um, I wear a lot of hats, but really I just love Jesus and I'm glad to be here with you guys. I'm glad to be, um, opening this up. This is so cool. Um, never in a million years did I think that me and my family would be here doing this right now. Um, the Lord has just blessed our family and, um, taken us from glory to glory and allowed us to share the news of Jesus with people, and that's been so cool. Um, if you know much about our story, you know it was a long time coming, and that's awesome. So I've been praying about what um, I needed to talk to you about, and I was asking God, what do you want me to talk to these people about? I'm, I have this great opportunity to talk to the coolest ladies in the Tri-County area, and I just want to know what you want me to say. Absolutely, yeah, give yourselves a hand clap. I think you're cool. If you're here, you are cool in my book. So... Um, so I was praying about it and I was asking God, what do I need to say? And, and he said, tell them to stop chasing it. Stop chasing it. So that's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. My topic is called chasing it. You're probably wondering what that is. We'll get to that in a minute. So there was a lady in the Bible who chased it and the it destroyed her life. Her name is Eve. You see, Adam and Eve were created by God. They were put in the Garden of Eden and they were there to reign over the garden. They had dominion over everything. The Bible says that they had dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl in the air, over everything that creeped on the earth. And not only did they have dominion or they ruled over them, they also got to name them all. How cool is that? Can you just imagine how creative Adam must have been to think of the name hippopotamus? Like, how cool is that? Or platypus? Or rhinoceros? I could keep going. This is so creative. This is so cool. They had the coolest job ever. They had the coolest job ever. Um, and they only had one rule. They could not eat from this tree. Genesis 2, verse 17. And my screen has gone blank. 217, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. From when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You see, God placed them in this garden. He didn't give them 10 commandments. They had one rule. That was it, just one rule. Their one rule was, you can eat anything you want. You can do anything you want. This is yours. You can have it. Don't eat from this tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do it. So guess what happened? Eve blew it. Eve majorly, majorly blew it. Um, and you know, and when I was thinking about this story and I was reading through this, you know, this is a story that we learn maybe our very first week ever in children's church. It's that first story in the Bible. We all know it by heart. If you've been in church for any amount of time at all, the story of Adam and Eve, the fall of man, right? The whole reason why Jesus had to come on the scene and save us all was from this story in Genesis one chapters one through three, right? So, um, I was reading this and you know, I, I got a little confused as I was reading it. I was like, Eve had it all. Why did she have to eat from that tree? Eve had it all. You see, before she reached for the forbidden fruit, as she was reaching for the forbidden fruit, Eve had it all. You see, I would argue to say that Eve had more than any woman ever in history, ever. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We're going to define exactly what Eve had. What was the all that Eve had? Number one, Eve had a relationship with a loving God. You see, we have relationship with a loving God that's on the screen. Eve had a relationship with a loving God. We all have a relationship with him, but Eve's relationship was super duper cool. 
Not only did she know about him, did she know him in her heart, she knew him personally. The Bible says that he would come down in the cool of the evening and he would, he would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. She knew him. She knew how tall he was. She knew what he looked like. She knew what his voice sounded like. She knew how big his feet were. She knew everything about him. She personally, intimately knew her creator. She knew God. How cool would that be? You see, so many of us, we have had like awesome God encounters where we've gone to church and we've really felt his presence or we've heard his voice or he's came through for us and healed our bodies and we've felt his power. But I don't know about you. I've never had a face-to-face encounter with God, but Eve did every day. She had it all. She had a relationship with a loving God. Number two, if you're writing, if you're taking notes, write this down. Eve had a husband who adored her. Now, what woman wouldn't want this? Eve had a husband who adored her. What mom wouldn't want this? You know, from the time that we're a little girl, about three years old, we start playing dress up and we use our imaginations. And I remember that I had this really beautiful bride Halloween costume and I wore it all the time. And I would pretend like I was marrying the prince or I was marrying um, a, a somebody that was really cool, my teddy bear. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we imagine that. We dream of our dream wedding. We dream of our dream marriage. Eve had that. She had it all. She had a loving and adoring husband. She had a husband who had adored her. And let's read this. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, it says... The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals, all of the birds in the sky. He had brought them to man to see them and to name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But Adam But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took out one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man and he said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman for she was taken out of a man. She will be called woman for she was taken out of man. Now, how romantic is that? You see, Adam is laying on the ground. He's, God's doing surgery on him, so he's probably not conscious. God takes a rib out of him, does some surgery, closes him up, makes this woman. He wakes up from this surgery. He looks at her and he says, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. How romantic is that? If a man looked at you today and he saw you for the first time and he said, you are bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, you completely, you are part of me. We would get all these butterflies in our stomach because we're girls and boys say nice things to us and we like that. So, Right? totally true. Um, you know, and Eve had it all. She had a husband who adored her. She had relationship with a loving God. Number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. Eve lived in the perfect environment. Eve lived in the perfect environment. Now I want you to take just a second and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture your very most favorite destination vacation spot. All right. Maybe that's like sitting on a beach in a chair with an umbrella over you, watching the waves roll in. Maybe that is out in the woods in a cabin, sitting by the fire as the starlight slowly start twinkling in the sky. Maybe that is in the countryside. 
Maybe that's just staying in your house and having time just to rest. Whatever your dream destination is, I want you to picture that. Eve, the place where she lived, was better. It's just plain and simple. Eve lived in paradise. There's nothing that can compare to it. There's no colors that can imagine it. There is no landscape that we can draw up in our imaginations that can compare to the place where Eve lived. She lived in paradise. She had the perfect environment. Never once did she have to wake up and worry, what am I going to wear today? Never once. She didn't have to wear anything. She didn't have to worry about that. She never had to worry about, what am I going to eat today? Where am I going to work today? What am I going to do for fun? She lived in the perfect environment. She had it all. She lived in the perfect environment. She had a husband who adored her, and she had relationship with a loving God. Number four, she didn't have anyone to compare to. Now, I think this is a trap that most of us women fall into the most, this, this lie of comparison that we have to be like other people. You see, Eve didn't have that. She didn't have that pressure. She never once had to look at Adam and say, Honey, do these jeans make me look fat? Never once did she have to look at Adam and say, Adam, is she prettier than me? Never once did she have to look at Adam while she's walking in the, in the mall and watch him look at another girl and hit him and say, hey, don't look at her. Never once, not once, did she ever have to do that. Not once. She had nothing to compare to. You know, she never walked into her friend's house and came home and said, Man, I wish I had her master bath. Man, I wish I had their kitchen. Man, if only I had their lawn. Never once you see Eve had it all. There was no one smarter. There was no one brighter. There was no one more intelligent. There was no one skinnier. There was no one fatter. There was no one prettier. She had it all. There was no one that was a better mom. It was just her. She had it all. Except one thing. Eve only wasn't allowed one thing the forbidden fruit. You see, it's at this point in our story that evil enters the stage. Right? It's at this point in the story that the evil villain enters, the darkness enters, and he comes into Eve's story like a snake. The Bible says that he comes in like a big serpent. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. I think snakes are the worst creature that God created other than sharks. Nothing scares me more than snakes and sharks. This one time, Eli and I, Eli is, my parents have four kids, um, my big sister Madison, myself, and then way, 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 way later, they decided to have more kids, and they had my brother Isaiah, who's 16, and my brother Eli, who's 13. And, you know, Eli, he's the baby of the family. He's so cute. He's, he's up until recently, he's always had just a little bit of chub. You just want to pinch his cheeks. He's just the cutest little thing. And when he was about six years old, um, he got into this spurt where he was really into going on adventures. So he's cooped up in the house. Um, he's been at kindergarten all day, cooped up in the house. And he says, Tori, can we have an adventure? And I say, Okay. We'll go have an adventure. So we walk around our block, and there's um, and and, and this is this is a six-year-old's adventure, walking around the block and finding cool stuff to look at. So there's this field on one side of our block, and there was this old truck that sat in this field forever. And if you've ever seen the movie Cars, it looked exactly like Mater, exactly like rusted out red truck, no glass left in the windows. It was just like half a truck there, probably hadn't been driven in at least 15 years. Eli said, looked at it. He said, "That looks like a great adventure." And I said let's go. <laughs> you know, so we track our way over to this truck and Eli slings open the door. You know, there's no glass in the window. He slings open the door and in the, co- in the cab of the truck is this big giant black snake. I look at the snake. I scream like a banshee and I run and I leave my six-year-old brother completely defenseless. 
I did. I did. That is not a lie. And then I remembered, you're the big sister. And I ran back and I said, Eli, don't be around that snake. (laughs) Upon closer examination, I realized that that snake, of course, was a garden snake, could not hurt us, but it was still, it was still scary. It was totally scary. Saw my life flash before my eyes. So, you know, when the Bible brings the devil onto the scene and he puts him in the likeness of a snake, I get it. Snakes are bad. I get it. The devil is bad, right? So that's an easy image for us to see um, this snake. You see, it's a great illustration here. Um, And I find it amazing that when he enters the scene with Eve, he enters with the exact same attack plan that he uses in our lives today. You see, um, I want you to understand something. When the devil enters the story, whether it's your story, my story, or a story in the Bible, he uses the same attack plan every time. You see, he is there to attack. He is there to destroy. He is there to kill. He is there to steal from you. Never once does the devil come in and knock on your door and say, hey, can I come in for some tea and cookies and catch up with you? Never once. He has an agenda. He is there to attack. And this same thing is true for Adam and Eve. So let's look, let me show you what this attack plan is, all right? If you will look at the next chapter, chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, and we're just going to read the first half of this verse to start. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. I want you to say the word crafty. One more time, crafty. Yeah, crafty. Now let me show you something about the word crafty. Let me show you some synonyms for the word crafty. Subtle, cunning, sensible, smart, wise, clever. See, I want you to know that the word crafty is not a negative word. It's not a negative word. You see, in the Bible, the word crafty is used to, to describe somebody who's really wise, somebody who's subtle, somebody who's, who's got the, it going on in their brain. And I want you to know that your spiritual enemy is very subtle. He's very crafty. When he comes into your life, he doesn't come in like a bull through a china shop. He doesn't come in with a pitchfork and horns. He doesn't come in with all of these outlandish ideas. He comes in subtly. He comes in and he sneak attacks. He comes in and he's wise and he's cunning. And what he's saying is sensible. It sounds smart. It sounds logical. It's easy to understand. This is what he does. Your spiritual enemy is his attack on your life is brilliant. The attack that he has on our life is so smart. It's so simple and so ageless that it worked a zillion years ago with Eve and it works exactly the same in our lives today. So, you know, Eve, Eve says, you know, she's here and she says, well, what's the big deal? It's just a piece of fruit right? And that's exactly how the devil attacks our lives. Um, Satan has a plan of attack. His first plan of attack is always this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to remember this. Satan's first plan of attack is this. He comes into our lives to weaken the credibility and the authority of the word of God. He comes into our lives and he wants to weaken the credibility and the authority of the word of God. Now let's, let's watch how he does this in Eve's story. He slithers into the picture and he says in verse one, we're going to read the whole verse now. Um, chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from the tree in the garden? 
Did God really say that? Look at this. He's trying to weaken the credibility and the authority of the word of God. And how does he do it? He starts asking questions, just little questions. Did he really say that? Does he really mean that for you? I mean, God made the tree, so why would he make something and not want you to enjoy it? I mean, everything here is for is for you, so did he really say you can't have that? You see, he's weakening the credibility and the authority of God's word, and he does this in our lives, and he does this in our culture. Here's some questions that are being asked right now in our culture that may ring home with you. Um, the first one, did God really say you aren't supposed to be physically intimate with someone before marriage? Whoa. Did God really say that? I mean, he wants us to be together forever. So shouldn't we find out if we're sexually compatible before we go and tie the knot? Shouldn't we find that out? I mean, did he really say that? And was that really for our culture today? I mean, I understand that 2,000 years ago that that's the way that, that tradition was, but that's changed now. So does that really apply to you? Here's another question. Is God's definition of marriage really just one man and one woman? I mean, doesn't God tell us that we're supposed to love everyone? And, and I know that the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. So shouldn't I just be accepting and loving towards people and who they choose to love? Here's another question for you. Um, is there really just one way to enter into heaven? Really, is Jesus just the only way? I mean, is God really that narrow-minded? I mean, look at all these other religions. A lot of them are really good people doing really good things. Surely all roads lead to God. Jesus can't just be the only way. Or this one. Is it really God's plan for us to give a percentage of our money back to our local church? I mean, seriously. Surely he meant that I should only do this, that I should only give a percentage if it's in my budget that month. I mean, God is after my heart not my pocketbook. So I'm sure that this is optional. I'm sure that that's what he meant just to give when I can. I mean, did he really say that giving is a way that we prove that we trust him? No, no, no. That's got to just be some man-made concoction to get into my pocketbook. Did God really say that? Weakening the credibility and the authority of God's word or this one. Am I really made in God's image? Um, I mean, I think that um, I would look much more like God if um, I lost 30 pounds, uh, bought a new wardrobe, got rid of all my lumps, bumps, and wrinkles, and, um, oh, but my nose. Oh, I can't look like God with this nose. I mean, I think that I should probably change everything that I look like, and then maybe I can be fearfully and wonderfully made. That's not true. You see, these are the questions that we struggle with. Maybe that's why it's so quiet in the room right now, because these are questions that we ask. These are questions that I ask. These are questions that everyone asks. These are questions that are relevant to our culture right now in this day. This is the way that the devil subtly gets in, and then he gets us where he wants us. You see, our culture is wrestling with these questions, and our enemy has a plan, and it's brilliant. It's not dumb. Does God really mean that? Did he really just say that? So because... Eve is standing there. She's standing at this tree and he's saying, did God really say that you're not supposed to eat the fruit from this tree? And she says, hmm, hmm, maybe you're right. You see, Eve is hearing her spiritual enemy and she's eyeballing 
the fruit and thinking, well, maybe it's not all bad. Uh, maybe this rule is just for other people. Maybe he didn't mean that for me and Adam. Maybe he meant that for everyone else because we're special. We're the ones that were here first. Maybe God's just holding out on me. Maybe there's something better for me and he just doesn't want me to have it yet because he thinks I can't have it. So maybe this is really just a testing of my faith. You see, now it's in this wondering and this questioning where the devil gets us exactly where he wants us. The serpent has Eve exactly where he wants her when she stops and she's hearing her spiritual enemy and she's eyeballing the fruit. He's got her exactly where he wants her. And he says, and now this, you're going to have to take this with a grain of salt. This is not an actual version of the Bible. This is Tori Wright, the Victoria's version of the Bible. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. But this is what I feel like. If, if the serpent was here today, this is what he would have said to me. God's a good guy. I mean, he really is. He created you. He created this garden. You and Adam. You and Adam are the perfect couple. That whole bone in my bone and flesh in my flesh thing, that was beautiful. I mean, you guys are perfect. God is such a good guy, you know. But there's something he isn't telling you. You know, he's a really good guy, but, um, you know, he just doesn't want you to know that when you eat from the tree that um, you're going to gain some knowledge. You know, he just doesn't want you to know that if you eat from the tree, you're going to gain some understanding. And he's a really good guy, but, you know, maybe he's not telling you because he thinks you can't handle it. He thinks that you're not ready for it yet, because when you eat from that tree, you're going to be just like him. The plot thickens verse uh, chapter three and verse six and it says when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable to gain wisdom she took some and she ate it and then she gave some to her husband and he took some with her and he ate it say the word saw 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 say it say saw yeah, you see, when she saw, she saw it. The word saw, it's, it's a word that is used to, des- that is the same word that is used to describe the king of Israel, David. When he saw a very beautiful, very married, very naked Bathsheba bathing on the roof, he saw her. He saw her, and it was in this seeing that came adultery and then later murder. It's the same Saul. You see, Eve saw the fruit. David saw Bathsheba. She saw that it was desirable for eating. Sometimes we see a movie star. We see a model and we say, they're desirable. So if I want to be desirable, I have to be just like them. You see, you saw your friend's bathroom. You lusted after it. And all of a sudden you saw that. And now you're having to redo your perfectly good, perfectly functioning bathroom. You're putting your family in financial jeopardy because you saw see, Eve saw the fruit. You see, Eve had it all, but it just wasn't good enough. It wasn't perfect enough, and she still had to chase after it. It wasn't enough to have a relationship with a loving God. It wasn't enough to have a husband that adored her. It wasn't enough to live in the perfect environment. It wasn't enough to not have to be compared to anyone. She had to have it. She saw it. This word saw doesn't just mean they looked. This word saw means they looked on it intently with intent desire. It's not like David looked out his window and he said, that's a beautiful woman. Squirrel. He saw her. He saw her. Eve saw the fruit. I want to tell you, she had to have it. 
She had to have it. And it's, it's just like, it's just like a few minutes ago. I've, I've been on, I've been on a summer diet and I saw those cupcakes. I saw them. I saw those cupcakes. And I had to remember you were preaching about chasing after it. Don't eat those. Don't eat those. Don't eat those. Because I saw them. I saw them and I wanted one so bad. I was like, those look so good. What are you doing to me, Vicky? That's what I said. Let me tell you something. If you have to have something, if you have to have it, if you see something and you just gotta have it, you gotta have it, you gotta have it, it is not good for you. It is not good for you. You see, Eve started thinking, maybe maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe this will make me wise. You see, somewhere along the way, the forbidden fruit became it for Eve. The forbidden fruit became it for Eve. So what is the it in your life? Chasing after it. What is the it in your life? Um, where in your life are you stuck chasing it instead of chasing after what God has given you, instead of enjoying what God has given you? What is it that you have to have, that you just have to have to be happy, content, or feel like you're perfect? You see, there was this time in my life when I was in my early twenties and I'm only 25. So that wasn't that long ago. Um, but my earlier, my earlier 20s, there was this time in my life. Let me start over. <laughs> there was this time in my life not so long ago where I had an it, and my it was marriage. My it was marriage. Let me just talk to you girls that are single right now because I'm right there with you, right? My it was marriage, and I thought, I have to get married. You see, I come from this li- long line of women who get married really, 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 really young really young. Um, my great grandmother got married at 14. My grandmother got married at 18. My mom and dad got married at 16. My sister got married at 21. And here I was 22. And I thought my life was over because I had not been married. I was now an old maid. I swear this is what I thought. I know it's so stupid. And I look back on that time now and I'm like, Tori, you were so stupid. But I did. I thought that I just had to get married. I had it in my mind that if I didn't get married within a year, that I was a failure. I did, I swear. And so I met this boy. And this boy wasn't right for me. He he wasn't all bad. It wasn't like he was a boy from the wrong side of the tracks or he was no good. He just wasn't a right fit, you know? It wasn't that fit that you want to spend all of your life with somebody, grow old with them. It was just a boy who I was passing time with. But the minute, and I'm serious, the minute that I saw him, the minute that we spoke, I said in my head, if I don't marry this boy, I'm a failure. I swear I did. Isn't that so dumb? This is what we do to ourselves. We get into this really stupid thinking and we decide that if we can't have it right now, that we are a failure. You see, that's what I thought. So I dated this boy and things would come up that would be like deal breakers for me, like silly stuff and big stuff. And I would say in my, in, in my heart and in my head, I would say, he's not the right boy for me. If I marry him, I'm going to be unhappy. He's not the right boy for me. If I marry him, he's going to stifle my giftings. He's not the right boy for me. He doesn't believe that women should be able to get up and talk at church. What am I doing? But this other voice would come in and it would be so much stronger and it would say, no, you have to make this work because this is your last shot, girl. If you don't make this work, you're going to be an old maid. All of your eggs are going to dry up. I swear it's what I thought. I swear it's what I thought. Girl talk right now. I'm not even kidding. This is exactly what I thought. I thought that I was going to be a failure. And finally, finally, I don't know what happened. I don't know. But I wised up and I said, I can't live like this anymore. (laughs) I'm 25 and I'm single and I'm okay with that because now I know that when I wait for the right person, when I wait for the one that God has for me, 
it'll be perfect. And that will be an it worth chasing, right? Because I was chasing after it and it was the wrong it. Now, in Eve's story, this it moment, this is the point in the story that if her life was a movie, we would say, no, Eve, don't eat the fruit. No, don't eat the fruit. It's just a snake. Eve, that is a talking snake. Don't you listen to that talking snake? That is weird, Eve. Why are you listening to a talking snake? Don't eat that fruit. Don't eat it. You know, we're watching movies. I can't watch scary movies because they freak me out. But if you ever watch a scary movie, you see, you know, they, they always go into the wrong room, go outside in the dark, lose their cell phone, something like that. Something happens. And you're like, no, don't go into that room. This is the point in Eve's life. So we're like, no, don't eat that fruit. I'll go to Kroger and buy you some fruit. Don't eat that fruit, Eve. It's the devil. It's the devil, right? So that's the part of the story that if it was a movie, we would be saying that. But you know what? That's exactly what it is in our life, too. That's exactly what it is. If your life was a movie, what part of your life would be? On the movie screen where people will be yelling, no, don't do it. It's just a, wait, don't go there. It's just a, put that down. It's just a, what part of your life would be the it that people would say, you've got some stinking thinking. (laughs) So what's the it for you? We all have one. Maybe your it is a hymn. Maybe your it is a house. Maybe your it is a job. Maybe your it is a pair of shoes because the 72 pairs of shoes you have in your closet are not good enough. Maybe it's an it because you're not satisfied. You know, you just got to have it. Eve saw the fruit. Um, and, and I just want to tell you, if you look at for something long enough, If you look at something long enough, it will become the it in your life. It will become all-consuming. It will take up all of you. Eve looked at this fruit so long that it became her it. If you look at a house so long, it's going to become your it. If you look at a man so long, he's going to become your it. And the Bible says, I got out of breath. The Bible says that, um, She took and she ate, and then she gave it to her husband, and he took and he ate. And the Bible says that their eyes were immediately opened, and they ran and hid because they were ashamed. It's a paraphrasing of the Bible um, in chapter 3. And then they were ashamed. And the next time God came down to walk with them in the cool of the evening, they were hiding. And he had to say, Adam, Eve, where are you guys? And they said, we're hiding And he said, why are you hiding? And they said, well, we're naked. How did you know that you were naked? Because we ate it. We ate it. You see, this is what happens. Um, They were hiding, and so many times in our life when we get that it, God is coming and he's knocking on the walls of our heart, but we're nowhere to be found, just like they were nowhere to be found. We're hiding. We don't answer that door. Um... They already had it all. You've had it all. And it wasn't good enough. It was fake. It was false advertisement. It is a counterfeit. That's what I want to tell you. It is a counterfeit. It does not deliver. It is false advertisement. And this is how it works in our life. Usually when we finally get it, whatever that it is, we either feel ashamed or it it fills us with so much pleasure for about two seconds. And then it's over. And then there's an infinite line of other it's waiting for us to go after. So it doesn't deliver. Eve made two major mistakes chasing after it. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, 
she forgot what she already had. Eve forgot what she already had. You see, she had it all. She had it all, but it wasn't enough. She thought that she needed something else. It wasn't enough to have a loving relationship with God, to have a husband who adored her, to um, live in the perfect environment, or to not have anybody um, that she had to come up against. It wasn't enough for her. She had to have that cherry on top. Number two, she doubted God's goodness. You see, what if we really trusted that our God is a good God? What if we really trusted and really understood that he has our best in mind? Um, Maybe even though things didn't turn out exactly like they thought, you know, I didn't get married at 22 years old, obviously. Things didn't turn out exactly like I thought. But what if we trusted that his plan is better? What if we trusted that his boundaries sexually, physically, relationally, financially, and spiritually are not boundaries put up to punish us or to beat us down, but they're boundaries to keep us safe. They're boundaries to protect us. What if we really believe that? What if we really believed and trusted in the goodness of God? If we really trusted in him, if we really believed in him, he would be our it. Psalms 107, 8 and 9, it says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wondrous deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Let me tell you, the reality of the situation is if you want this thing called life to work out well, God has to be your it. He is the only one that will work long-term. His it is not a counterfeit. All the other it's are a counterfeit. They are not true. They will, they will not deliver. They'll be there for a minute, and then they have all these sub-its. You see, if your it is a house, then you have all these sub-its. You have a couch it, a bed it, curtain it, chairs it, rugs it. There's all these sub-its. It's never enough. But God, if he is your it, then it is enough. And that's what I want to leave you with today. God's it is enough. God's it is not a counterfeit. And I want to ask you this question. Is God your it? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are removing all distractions, that you are removing away any confusion that would be of the devil, Father, that you are making us um, have our ears open to you, have our hearts open to you, Father, I thank you for who you are in our lives and that you become our it. I pray over these women and I say, Lord, that you would become the it in their life, that they would get rid of the distraction, that they would quit chasing after whatever it they're chasing after, and they would chase after you. And the same for me, Father. We praise you. We love you. We give you all glory and honor. It's in your precious and holy name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Vineyard Community Church in downtown London, Kentucky at 220 West 5th Street. We invite you to come and join us. Our gathering times are 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. And Wednesday night, we have meal and a message night at 7 p.m. Great things are happening at Vineyard and everyone is welcome here.